Hello and welcome back to Tachikawa. You are listening to Sakamichi Nights. My name is Matthew Boynton and I'm joined today by Daniel Bellamy. How are you today, Dan? Great. Doing well. I have good news for you and I have bad news for you. Okay. Which one do you want first? I want them simultaneously. Uh, I can only do one at a time. Damn it. Uh, give me the bad news then. The good news, good. So two weeks ago, this is the good news, two weeks ago, you were inducted into super fan status oh. by Casey Bean of The Bean Pod as one of the most frequent listeners to his podcast and frequent interactors with his Twitter feed. Oh, wow. Excellent news. I just wanted to congratulate you on um, that accolade. It's an honor. I, I feel like they should have told me. But I'll take it. I mean, he announced it on the podcast, which, which I'm sure of course. You, you listen to. Yep. So a richly deserved accolade. Mm. Um, yeah. Welcome to the Superfan Club. I was not inducted, I have to say. Man, that, that seems weird. It was all you. Um, that's the good news. Okay. Uh, the bad news now. Uh, last week on the Bean Pod, your Superfan status was revoked. What? Turns out to have been awarded in error. Oh. So you are no longer a Superfan. Short-lived, but it was great. Let's talk me through the highs and the lows of the past 30 seconds of finding out and then having your dreams ripped away from you. I feel like you just talked through it. That was it. That was the high and the low. Excellent content. Yeah. Um, you should listen to the Bean Pods. Who, uh, who did they give it to instead of me? Me. What? Yeah, how does that feel? I mean, more appropriate, to be honest. I have actually listened, you have to, listened to, to, it. to that podcast. Yeah. I understand you listen to it in the nude while wet. Is that how this goes? That's how I listen to most things. Okay. How, how are <laughs> you listening? listening to you right now. How are you, how are you listening <laughs> to things? Yeah, not the right way, apparently. I find that it really helps the sounds enter my ears. I'm in my flotation tank, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm just really focusing on every word yep. Casey has to say. Uh, my friend once went to a sensory deprivation thing, and mm. this, this is right up his alley. He was super stoked about it. I think his wife got him got it for him for his birthday. They're not cheap. Uh, anyway, he went to the to go to have his session, and he was he was planning to hopefully have one of these kind of trippy experiences like people have, uh, just floating there, moist in the dark. And uh, he got in the tank, and you know, pitch black, floating, kind of semi-weightless, that kind of whatever, the, all the things you want. And then uh, after you've been in there, he doesn't know, a few minutes, they started piping in like Native American flute music and random eagle cries and stuff. Living the vida loca. Like, what? Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I thought the whole point of those was that it's sensory deprivation. Like there, there's nothing going on in there. Maybe he missed a checkbox on the form or something. I was mm. like you prone to fits of anxiety and claustrophobia. Pipe in some eagle cries to make you feel a little more at home. Is it possible that he was hallucinating the music and the eagle cries? That's interesting. I've never asked him that. He said he kind of flew into a rage, so he feels like it was probably pretty real. Mm, right. Anyway, overall, a disappointing experience. He was not expecting there to be, uh, like, kind of bizarre white noise machine stuff going on in the background. It's interesting that flying into a rage was his reaction. I'm maybe seeing why he needed the chill out in the, the sensory deprivation tank. Right, yeah. Did he have to punch his way out of the tank and then <laughs> fight his way out of the shop? Right, he was pounding on the, on the door, wet. but it's, you know, it insulates the whole thing. No one could hear him. Mm. Well, uh, moist in the dark 
listening I think. to Mo- Eagle Sounds. Moist in the Dark is going to have to be a beer name at some point. <laughs> that's that's too good to miss up. But um, let me email that to myself quickly, uh, and we'll come up with the, the rest of the details later. I have a question for you. Go ahead. Uh, why don't we have sponsors anymore? Did you say in the beginning we were just two fresh-faced youngsters with a microphone, hearts full of mm. ideas, brains full of love? I don't know. I'm mi- mixing the words, but uh, we had sponsors from such luminaries as the sun itself mm-hmm. and uh and the german men's national team der manschaft die manschaft the manschaft yeah uh and then they heard a few episodes of the podcast all that dried up yeah it's funny the more they listened to the podcasts the fewer offers for sponsorship came in we had a good idea and then we just didn't execute i guess uh that could be it we maybe live up to our promise i need to talk to our sales team to find out if they've been slacking or not it seems like they have i hardly think they've been working really hard one thing that we don't really do on the pod anymore is restate the purpose of the podcast right at the beginning we used to do that just about every pod so maybe that's mm, why that's why we don't the have sponsors, sponsors have have stopped flocking to us too like hard this. to follow now why don't you why don't you state the the raison d'etre of this podcast to try and um, entice some of that money back we are here to celebrate beer. Every week, we choose a beer that we have uh, either for sale in cans or on our taps, and we drink it, and we talk about it, and we celebrate it. And before you ask, it's not a review show. There we go. We don't review the beer uh, because you know it's good. If we have it here, uh, it's definitely going to be good. We don't serve bad beer, uh, so we're celebrating some of the excellent beers that we serve here. We do not review beer. But we do occasionally review non-beer products, mm. such as beery yep, or that, mango candies. Yep, and that grape juice, jelly, uh, tea thing I brought in, Pop yes. Rocks combination. Slimer's diarrhea, yep. whatever it was called. <laughs> um, we have something in front of us that we might be able to review today. This is uh, a gift brought back from the land of your birth, mm-hmm. America. Yep. What do you tell us about what we have here? These are uh, dark chocolate-covered pretzels from Trader Joe's. Mm. Trader Joe's is a problem. Uh, I'm glad it's not in Japan because they have too much stuff like this that is really, really tasty. Very, very Moorish, as they say. And uh, not that expensive. Decent quality. Um, Yeah, it's... uh, it's a difficult place to shop and not walk out having spent $150. So the problem is that there are too many good products there yes. and they're all bad for you. That's correct. Okay, well, why don't we dive into this dish of naughtiness then uh, and, and do a little review of some chocolate-covered pretzels. These are some chunky boys, yeah. aren't they? Yep. What, you, what is your take on Trader Joe's chocolate-covered pretzels? They're very tasty. I wish they were uh, a little more bitter, like dark chocolate. I want it to be... Bitter. Mmm. Puckeringly bitter. Eh, puckeringly, but I, I want more darkness than what these deliver. I think um, sometimes when I've had chocolate covered pretzels in the past, whoever's making them decides to skimp on either the pretzels or the chocolate. Mm. Uh, and that is not the case yeah. here. Yeah. So you get a lot of both. You get a lot of both. Um, I don't know why we're reviewing this. Trader Jones aren't paying us any money. Hey, they're good. Is it good.com? Yes. yes. Chocolate covered pretzels are good. This yeah. is a good example of some chocolate covered pretzels. And we would like to say thank you to Crazy Tanaka. Just come back from Cleveland, Ohio, mm. the most beautiful city in the world. 
according uh, to her and now. brought us uh, this lovely and delicious treat. Thank you, Crazy Tanaka. What do you think would pair well with some chocolate-covered pretzels? Uh, I would probably pair these pretzels with some type of lager. Mm. Uh, but, you know, like a modern-style lager, like uh, dry-hopped, but maybe like single-hop dry-hopped. Mm. But not just one, not just like one version of the single hop, like different varieties of that single hop. What an absolutely extraordinary coincidence. I drilled down on this one. Because the beer that we are going to be celebrating on this week's pod is Shirotsume no Romance, the Romance of the White Clover. Wow. Uh, which is a beer that we made together with Be Easy, and you're not going to believe this, it is a dry hopped lager. What? And it is a single variety of hop, mosaic, but... Four different preparations. I am incredible. I'm on fire tonight. And the that is just an extraordinary coincidence. It's proof that there really is something to this food pairing business after all. Mm, yeah, um, maybe we've been misjudging it mm. this whole time. How could I have nailed that so perfectly? Why don't we pour a few glasses of this beer and then celebrate it some more? Sirotsume no Romance, Dry Hopped Lager. We have this beer on tap and in cans as well, both from Beezy. Uh, and Beezy do something which I think is quite fun, which is they, they write some pairings down on the can. So on this can of beer that I'm holding in my hand right now, there are three things that they suggest pairing with this beer. I'm going to give you a little bit of a hint. Okay. One is a meat product. Okay. One is a vegetable product. Okay. And one is a dairy product. Okay. How many of those three do you think you can guess? Uh, zero. Okay, let's do it. All right. Uh, meat, vegetable, dairy. Yes. <sighs> I don't want to drag this out too long. Should I go with my instincts of what I would pair this with? You or should it. I just stab at these three things? Do it any way you like. I feel like this is, uh, it's light and crisp. With uh, a big mosaic hit. So I think it cuts through uh, oily dishes in a nice way. Good. So I would... This is not one of the three things, obviously. But I feel like it would pair nicely with like uh, heavy or creamy kind of pasta things. Like a fettuccine alfredo. Something like that. Because it's quite rich and thick. And the the beer is going to kind of like cut through that a little bit and refresh your palate. Mm. Uh, You could also do it with... um, like something similar, like uh, that has a bit of oil. Like if you're having pizza, this would go well with pizza because that's quite heavy and rich as well. None of these things are would fall under the category of meat or vegetable or uh, what was the other one? Dairy. Dairy. Um, hmm. Meat. I'm gonna say a steak. Uh, that was close. You got the first letter right. Uh, it's. Sizzler? No. Sausage. Sausage? Sausage. Okay. So in, in the vein of things that are a bit oily and mm-hmm. rich. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, vegetable. Uh, bacon-wrapped asparagus. No, you're completely out on that and one. They suggest potato soup, which is rich and creamy, rich but and in a, a different way. Yeah. In okay. a starchy way. Mm-hmm. The third one, the dairy product. Uh, dairy product. Uh, glass of milk. Is that something that you would enjoy <laughs> pairing with a beer? I feel like I've, my instincts, I've been way off uh, on my guesses. Okay, how about a uh, like a mixed cheese plate? 
That's pretty close. Yeah. What specific kind of cheese? Uh, do you rich think cheese, it, rich, rich, creamy cheeses, like a camembert or brie or something like that. You're close, but again, no. It's cheddar, cheddar cheese. They would like to pair this with, which is very full flavored in a kind of mm. salty and sharp way. All right. So three pairings, none correct. Mm, okay. What do you think of this beer? Uh, yeah, I touched on it already. I, it's light and crisp, which I think you want. You're expecting that when you come into a lager. Uh, and it really uh, hits you full on in the nose with the mosaic right off the bat. There's a lot of complexity of character there. People are very familiar with mosaic as well. It's quite commonly used in a lot of, especially hazy IPAs, but, uh, but also non-hazy IPAs as well. So I think people are pretty familiar with the aroma and the taste of mosaic. Uh, and then this beer delivers certainly a ton of it in the aroma uh, and then follows through with a lot of mosaic character uh, on the palate as well, but remains very kind of light and crisp and refreshing. Yeah, I agree that it, it expresses mosaic in a very full way, uh, and I agree that mosaic is a very commonly used hop, in, especially in IPAs, right, in hazy IPAs, often the citra plus mosaic plus one other three thing combo is a really common hazy IPA mm. combo. Um, but... I don't know. I feel like I rarely see mosaic by itself mm. in beers. It's often playing a supporting role. Mm. So much like the humble onion, it's always there, but it's never really the star of the show, mm-hmm. is it? Right. I'm. I'm not saying this beer tastes like onions, uh, but it it is a very interesting exploration of a hop that we don't usually get to experience by itself. Yeah. And it has kind of an interesting herbal note to it mm. that I don't right. usually pick up with mosaic when it's in with a bunch of other really strongly flavored mm. hops. Have you ever had the Australian delicacy, a bloomin' onion? From uh, an Outback Steakhouse. Yes, the famous Australian restaurant, Outback Steakhouse. It's a logistical miracle that they managed to pick these onions right as they're blooming. It's incredible. Uh, it's, it's uh, I mean, that's that the onion is... Well, is the onion the star of the show or is the batter and the frying the star of the show <laughs> and the, the dip that the you dip. douse the entire thing in? It's, yeah, the it's, onion is maybe also supporting in that role. It's nice that the onion gets to uh, to have a little uh, moment of its own, it even if top it is billing. being deep fried and dipped in some, some ranch or something. Mm. Um, this, uh, this beer does use four different preparations, I guess you could say, of mosaic. Uh, those are... Oh, I can name these. Okay, go for it. Can for, I? Yeah, please do. I think I can. Regular mosaic. Okay. T90. Yeah, T90 pellets. Uh, mosaic. Cryo mosaic. Yes. Mosaic incognito. Good. American noble mosaic. That's right. Yes. Now, please explain what those four things are. Uh, you know, different kinds of mosaic. Mm. Uh, I'm sure we're all familiar with T90 pellet hops. That's uh, the hops get picked and dried and then pulverized into a powder and then pressed into little pellets that look a little bit like rabbit food. And that's basically what we use most of the time uh, in craft beer brewing. Um, That's regular mosaic. It also uses cryo mosaic. I can't remember exactly how this is made. It's something to do with very low temperatures. But basically they extract a lot of the flavor and aroma of the hop whilst leaving behind the vegetal matter, uh, and that's what cryo hops are. So they have um, a much more concentrated flavor and aroma, not so much of the vegetal matter. What do you think happens to that vegetal matter? It's probably used somehow, right? That's right. It's turned into American American noble 
uh, hops. Oh, really? That is my understanding of what those are. Wow. Uh, so the, the, the parts that are not used in making the cryo, they still have flavor. They still have alpha acids. They still have good stuff in them. So those get processed into American Noble mm. polyphenol hops. Uh, and then in, Incognito is a kind of liquid product that um, is also a hop extract. But we're getting further away from the hops themselves now. This has been processed to a further degree uh, and is, yeah, comes in a liquid preparation. Those are the four kinds of mosaic hops in this. Um, we've already paired this beer with a few different things. What do you say we try to pair it with some more? Every week when we drink one of the beers, we also try to pair it with one of eight different things. Uh, though, of course, we can't have the two most recent ones, which were... Food, uh, that's good, and video games. All right, so it's not going to be either of those. What is it going to be? Location, number five. All right, so where would you like to enjoy this beer? I would like to enjoy this beer with my best bud... In a green field, sprinkled with small white flowers. Mm. White clover, in fact. Sounds very romantic. Yep. Uh, yep, that's it. That's what I got. Okay. Um, can you describe the seating arrangements? Uh, we're both lying down. Kind of difficult to drink a beer when you're lying down. Heads pointing. We've got, um, I don't know, zero-G astronaut straws. Mm -hmm. uh, our heads are kind of towards each other. And there's someone on a ladder mm. taking pictures of us with a camera. That's crucial. Yeah. That last point. Yeah. How, how big is this field? Uh, and is it next to a main road? Um, I don't know. I'm not really feeling in all the details. Let's say it's endless. Wow. Yeah. So um, if you find yourself wandering through an endless field of clover with your best bud mm. and a zero-G uh, astronaut straw, astronaut yeah. straw yeah. Um, don't worry, because you're already dead and you're in Elysium. You've touched that, that fated ground. Um, warriors, this is the, the future that awaits you. Sounds all right. Yeah. Sounds pretty good. The end to that. Um, I, obviously, you're drawing inspiration from the, uh, the photo that we took uh, and then the, the illustration that is on this can. I would like to point out that my feet aren't actually that big. In the reference photo, I was wearing shoes. And the artist, I think, did a fantastic job of capturing both of our likenesses, but he did just color in the shoes pink and leave that as my feet. Yeah, you know. Is that, you feel like that's going to come back to haunt you at some point in the future? Possibly, yeah. <laughs> You're going to be up for some kind of award and they're going to be like, you know what, that guy's got weird feet. They, we yeah. don't want him up on our stage clomping around. It, no, it's, it's not that, but I just want to be upfront about this in case I am nominated for Feet of the Year or something. Uh, I don't want to be up on the stage accepting my award wearing a pair of ridiculous clown shoes right. and then for somebody to burst in and say I object this is a sham yeah. uh, this man's feet are completely normal sized right uh, and then they use a hatchet to chop off the end of the clown shoes it's quite a picture uh, anyway um, that sounds delightful I would like to drink this beer on a paddle steamer going mm -hmm. down the Mississippi gambling yes nice absolutely I'm wearing an all white suit yep I have a white Stetson Okay. I have one of those bolo ties mm -hmm. with a, a silver bull's head holding right. it together. I'm assuming you have a cane. Of course. What is the head of the cane? Uh, it is a white clover. Oh, yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Nice. And if you flip up the top, you know what's inside? A gun. Shirotsume no romance. Oh, nice. The gun is at my hip. <laughs> 
So, hang on. It's, it's a cane as fat as a can of beer. I mean, it's long, right? Uh, long and hollow. Yes, let's just say that it's actually just a stack of cans of beer <laughs> <laughs> that I've drilled through. And so I can drink all of them I at once. I see. It's a, you're saying it's a flask. Yeah. You've got beer in it, not a can of it. I, I had a different idea. I've, I've painted a very romantic scene. Probably what's going to happen is that the boat is going to pull to the side of the river and I'm going to be asked to leave for disrupting the, uh, the pleasure cruise. Right. You went, through, you went through six cans. You I drank your entire cane's worth of Shiratsume. <laughs> I can't even say it. Shiratsume no romance. You've caused a scene. And now I'm being disruptive. That's yeah. right. Uh, do you ever like gambling? Do you go to the casino? Do you play cards? I've been a couple times in my life. Uh, I, I don't know enough about it to feel like I'm not just throwing money away. That's kind of the point, isn't it? Right? No. Well, maybe for some people. Mm, well. Have you been? Uh, I, in my mind's eye, certainly. I've been to the casino once. Yeah. And I played blackjack and I won. Mm-hmm. I, I left with more money than I came in with. Right. And I was like, that's it. I'm stopping there. My, uh, I used to live in uh, Omori, and mm. near Omori, a place called Heiwajima, there's a boat race circuit. And you can go in there, I think it costs like 100 yen to go in, and you can bring in your own strong zeros or whatever you want. And you can just kind of sit there and watch the boats go around. It's really entertaining racing. Uh, and of course, it's, you know, they make their money from all the betting, right? So I went there with my, uh, my girlfriend at the time, and we... We went in and we were like, well, let's bet some money. Let's see what happens. So we went up to the, we got the betting form and there's all these kind of like friendly and half drunk old guys there that are, that are kind of just wasting their day and their money. Mm-hmm. I've seen this thing. And they're very happy to help you understand how to bet. So we met this old guy. He goes, do you know what you're doing? We go, no, absolutely not. And he goes, all right, well, I'll explain it to you. And he talked us through how to bet and, you know, the different, you can bet on people to win. You can bet on them to place. You can bet on three people to win, all kinds of stuff like that. So we ended up betting about 500 yen on a race. And we went and watched the race, and we won. And we went and turned the ticket in, and we won 9,000 yen. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. We hit on some stuff. And I said, what do you want to do? Should we keep betting? And she went, no, let's go to karaoke and get drunk. And I was like, that's good. We are of of like minds here. (laughs) So you likewise, you are up. On gambling, basically. And you're like, you know what? That's it. Yeah. I'm calling time yeah, on let's this. Let's cut it. It's never going to get any better than this. Let's get out of here. I won. Yeah. Let's just stop. I want to bring it back just for a second to the pairings that we had earlier. Mm. Uh, three pairings. Sausage, potato soup, cheddar cheese. Yep. And we'll talk about sausages briefly. Okay. Let's go. Uh, my One of my children has a very interesting eating habit where when she is served a sausage she will pick off and eat all of the skin before eating the rest of the sausage and you might think that's unusual but my delightful and lovely wife does exactly the same thing with caramel puddings a creme brulee you know the, the ones you get from mm. the, the store yeah they have a, a skin on the top she will peel back and eat all of that skin and any then eat the caramel pudding and then eat uh, the sauce underneath you still claim these people as your family? Well, here's my question. To them, neither of those things seem like weird eating habits. Okay. They're just like, no, this is, this is the way to eat this. This right. is the correct skin way. Skin first. This We're a the... skin first family. I mean, technically, almost every sausage is eaten skin first, but the meat following very soon after would be typical. Um, 
But here's my question to you. What is your weird eating habit that you don't think is weird? It's, it, that's pretty tough, right? Mm. I, I mean... You must have something. I'm sure there's Maybe we should I've answer done, for but... each other. Because I, th- I think I can think of one for me. And it's something that's come up on bicycle tours. Oh, the, the way you eat bananas. Go ahead. Like a weirdo. Go ahead. Uh, from the from the wrong end. From the bottom up. Yeah. Yeah, like a monkey. Right, which you are not. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're all monkeys at heart. Um, the, the way to eat a banana is you split the bottom, the black part, in half with your fingers. You peel that back. Take the, the, the weird parts that's right there. Just throw that right away. Give it to the other Daniel. Uh, and then you're free to eat the rest of the banana. And you're left with a very pleasing peel that looks like the banana peel from a cartoon. That's, right. that's 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 a selling point. The normal right. way of eating a banana does not result in an aesthetically pleasing peel at the end of it. That's true. You so, got me there. What do you think your one is? Uh, I really have no idea. These, these, there's a lot of things like this, not just food stuff, but there's a ton of things where you do things that you that seem normal to you until because they're just they're done in secret, right? Not in secret, but like people don't know about them. Like I always put all of the bills in my wallet are in order and they all face the same order. And at some point somebody saw me doing it and they were like, what are you doing? And I'm like, you know, putting them in the way you put the money in your wallet. Right. Yeah. And the person was like, no, it just, you just put it in. They don't have to be facing the same way, but I like them ordered. Right. So I know where they, they are. They should be ordered. I agree with you on that. And maybe that's also an American thing because in America, the money is all the same color. Right? Yeah. So you might pull out the wrong bill by mistake. Um, but yeah, that makes sense to me. Not that I'm carrying around lots of bills in my wallet usually these days. Right. Um, but yeah. I face them the same direction. I also unfold any folded corners. Uh, yeah, I would do that if I had time. Um, but often it's a hurried transaction at the register. I don't want to hold up the line. Right. By Got all these porn mags. Getting trying to get out of there. Yeah, I mean, I'm selling them to, to book off and they're, <laughs> they're giving me hardly any money for them. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I think you're right that sometimes the things, the habits, the weird habits that you have, you don't realize are weird until somebody else sees them. Right. I'll give you a British one. Whenever I make a cup of tea, I throw away all the water that was in the kettle before boiling a fresh one, unless it's like just been boiled. That makes sense. What do you just leave water in the kettle? Do people do that? Well, if you have a bit of water left over from the last time you made a cup of tea. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You don't chuck that out. That's yesterday's water, is it not? It's gone bad, right? It hasn't gone bad, but like it's just been. Can't make tea that. It's gone bad. What if it's been an hour? What's the, uh, the limit for how how long you'd be willing to leave that water? Mm. Yeah, I mean, an hour is fine. I think I, if we're talking about yesterday's water, I'm probably putting fresh water in. There. Mm. You're not drinking enough tea, really. Yeah, that's true. I make coffee in the morning, and that's basically it. Mm. Anyway, I, I just thought I'd bring that up. It's good. That was great. Yeah. Hashtag good. content. Good content. Sponsors, if you're listening, we're putting effort in. This is something that you could be a part of. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about brewing salts? Okay. Have we talked about this on the Let's podcast segue. before? We have not. Don't think so. Uh, would you like me to explain what brewing salts are? Yeah, Absolutely. It's when we're making beer, uh, maybe 85, 90% of the stuff that's in the glass is water. So the composition of that water is very important. What kind of water do you have where you are making beer? And a lot of the traditional styles from around the world of beer that we 
that we like to think of, um, say your pilsners, mm. your uh, your pale ales, your multi Scottish uh, eighty shillings, those come down to the local water chemistry yeah. where that beer used to be made. Um, so multi Scottish pilsners, there's a lot of calcium in the water there. Pilsner, nice clean water, made a very clean beer. Even to the point of uh, like a little bit of sulfur character, right? It was a hallmark of beers from certain places. Yeah, and in Burton-on-Trent, which is where uh, pale ales and sort of IPAs were famously made for a long time, there is quite a lot of sulfur in that water, Mm. which helps to accentuate the hop character as well. Um, But these days, the water that we get from the tap um, will be processed before it goes into the brewery. Some places use very fancy reverse osmosis procedures. Other places just use a filter. Some places, like Baird, where I used to work, we just take the water directly from a well Mm. on the property. So it's always very nice and clean, or it should be very nice and clean. And then we can adjust the water profile as we wish to make the kind of beer that we want. That's a basic introduction. Mm. Yeah. You, we have a lot more freedom now, right? Like previously you were kind of locked into whatever water you had, whatever natural water you had access to, which as you said, like led to specific styles being made in specific areas because that's what the water lent themselves to. But we're able to manipulate that now, right? Through various means. And you, I'm certain that there must be breweries out there, not just traditional ones, but I'm certain there must be new ones opening up in various places, probably in the Rockies in the U.S., that are using like straight untouched local water and marketing on that a little bit, I would imagine. I'm sure there's places all over the world that are saying we're using this water. But I guess like if you were in a big city like Tokyo or Yokohama or New York City or something like that, you're, you're dealing with city water. So it may have some characteristics, but probably nothing really defining that's going to make you. It's certainly not a marketable phrase to be like, we're using Pawtucket water. <laughs> like, Welcome to Flint, Michigan, where our water is our life. Yeah, you're right. I, I grew up in, uh, well, my mom used to live in Kent, Ohio, and Kent had won some awards for like best tasting city water in Ohio at some point. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily a selling point, right? It's not like fresh from the Rockies or like, you know, glacial water from wherever, that kind of stuff. If it is, it's probably not a selling point that really appeals to the modern consumer, Mm. right? Who's looking for some more extreme characteristics from their beer, right? Um, We're we're looking more to the hop character or the malt character Mm. or the yeast character or the adjuncts or something like that. Um, I will say at Ishikawashuzo, where I also used to work, they did use water from a well which was on the property, um, which was untreated. So all of the water in the brewery, in every sense, everything was all technically mineral water, wow. uh, including the water in the toilet, okay. um, which they rather bizarrely brought up on every tour. <laughs> See the water in the toilet? We use that to make beer. I mean, not literally, but you get the idea. Never quite got the, the, the gist of that one. Anyway, so water, very important brewing ingredient. Uh, And there are two main brewing salts that we, at least at Sakamichi Brewing, use um, in order to um, adapt the water to the the style of beer that we want to make. And those are calcium chloride and calcium sulfate. Welcome to the science part. Here comes the science part, lads. Yeah, let's go. Calcium chloride 
its calcium and chlorine together in a mineral salt. Um, what does it do? Well, it accentuates malt character in beer. So if you're making something like a porter or a stout or an English bitter, calcium chloride is going to accentuate that sweet, malty character. I know that's a style of beer that you like, Dan. I do. Big fan of calcium chloride. Yeah, man. Clearly. Um, but there's one other thing that it can do, and that's to accentuate the the full, and I've heard it described as soft and pillowy mouthfeel in beers. Mm. You're a fan of pillowy mouthfeels? In everything. Yeah, man. I had this dream where I was eating a giant marshmallow. When I woke up in the morning, my pillowy mouthfeel was gone. <laughs> Uh, and so, there is one other style of beer that we use calcium chloride in, which is not considered a multi-style, and that is hazy IPAs. Right. Hazy IPAs do have a kind of wonderful, soft, juicy, fruity character, and of course, it comes from the hops, but it is helped, it is accentuated by using some calcium chloride in the brewing process mm. as well. Cackle, that's the first one. Right, that's what we call it. Cassoff calcium sulfate uh, is the next one which is again calcium is very important for yeast health so it's good to have a bit of that in but sulfate is the part here that's different and this helps to accentuate hop character especially makes a kind of a, a sharp tasting hop character so we mentioned earlier burton on trent in the uk which is famous for its Burton water. Mm. You can even buy Burtonizing water tablets that you can add to your your beer water. You're making beer making water to make it more similar to that Burton on Trent. I thought it was just for people from Burton on Trent going on holiday. <laughs> Maybe yes. Put it in the the cistern of your toilet. Yeah. Uh, salute that local water. Um, but yeah, so this helps to accentuate um, the hops in styles like pale ales, IPAs, West Coast IPAs, anything where you want a sort of a strong and assertive hop character as opposed to the soft and juicy hop character of a hazy IPA. I understand that it's uh, some places will go so far as to get a water profile. Is that or do you get that from the city where they will tell you like a, a breakdown of, of, you know, what the makeup of the water is, right? Because everywhere it's going to be a little bit different in the different kinds of minerals and stuff that it has in it. And if you have more of something, less of something else, you're going to treat the water a little bit differently. You've you've named two things we can put in the water, but there's all different kinds of stuff you can put in the water oh, as yeah. well, right? Oh, yeah, all kinds of things. But you have to know what you're starting with to know what you want to add, right? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Uh, and so we're when we're looking at these ions that are going to be in the water, the calcium ions, the chloride ions, the sulfate ions, you, we're talking like parts per million or parts per billion, mm. right? A very small amount overall. So it is important to know how much is in there already. Mm. So therefore, how much do I need to add to, to get the water profile that I want? Uh, and that can sometimes make it a little bit difficult. I remember this coming up a few times when going to do collaboration brews. And I would say to them like, okay, this is the style of beer we're making. So I want to add calcium chloride. And they would say, right, how much? Well, I don't know, right? Mm. Because I don't know what your water is like. Like, do you have a water report that you can show me, uh, or how much do you usually put in? Right, and that's how much we should put in. Because if you add too much, uh, too much calcium chloride, then you start, you can start to get too much chlorine in the beer. Mm. So it's going to taste like swimming pool water. Right, chlorine, not, not great. 
That's not good. No, that's not something that you're generally going for with a beer. And we can perceive chlorine at very, very low mm. dosage rates. Uh, and if you add too much calcium sulfate to the beer, too much gypsum, that sulfate, that smells kind of like boiled eggs. You know, that's the smell of eggs. Right. So that can start to become very noticeable as well if you add too much. It's a fine line to walk, mm. um, but very interesting one. So next time you're talking to a brewer uh, or talking to a brewery, don't ask them about the hops. Don't ask them about the malt or the yeast. Ask them about their water report. Yeah, prove your real nerd cred. Then you'll show that you really know what you're talking yeah. about. One final question today. Prepared lots of content mm. for, the, for this week. Um, I saw in the newspaper today that during a concert in London, the singer Pink was handed a full wheel of Brie de Meur yep. uh, by an audience member yep. uh, to which she reacted with some consternation. Um, we are planning to be at quite a few festivals mm -hmm. coming up over the next few months. What item do you think our fans should bring us to show that they are really in the know? Full wheel of Brie de Meur? Man, if someone gave me a full wheel of cheese, I would take it and go home before they could rethink their mistake. This is the Trader Joe's problem, right? Yeah. That, I mean, that would be amazing. Would you even get it all the way home or are you just be biting into it there? Right. In the just, sun? just end up in a parking lot somewhere eating a wheel of cheese by myself. Uh, that sounds all right. Is that a pairing I can use? No beer. Just me, a parking lot, and a wheel of cheese. That uh, sounds like an excellent that pairing. great. Um, what should people bring? Yes. You know, I'm pretty easy to buy for nowadays because I think people who know me know that I like uh, coffee and beer. Mm. And that's that's pretty easy, right? Like, go to any good roastery, give me a couple hundred grams of beans. That's a good gift. And, you know, you might think, oh, he's a beer guy. He doesn't need more beer. No, I always need more beer. So, I don't know. Are we fishing for gifts? What is this about? No, I've realized that that is gifts? kind of what this sounds like. But uh, I was hoping more for amusing comedy gifts rather than, than actual things that you want. Okay. So, wheel of cheese, coffee, beer. These are things that I want. Comedy gifts. Mm. Things I don't want. Yes. Things that would be awkward. Yes. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Japanese sweets. Sometimes people give you Japanese sweets. And, uh, you know, I was raised right. I accept all gifts graciously with a smile, a lot of enthusiasm, but I, I'm not a huge fan of Japanese sweets. So if someone were to show up at a festival and be like, hey, I got you uh, this big box of assorted mochi, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm going to have to do something with that box. I'll do it with a smile and I'll be, I'll, I'll appear very happy with it, but uh uh, I'm not eating any of that mochi. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what I was hoping for when I began on this segment, but it's, it's gone yeah. into a slightly weird direction, right, hasn't yeah. it? I remember when I used to work as an English teacher one time at the end of a class, a student just asked me, oh, by the way, do you like mochi? And I said, honestly, I can't stand the stuff. And mm. they were like, oh, well, I was just on holiday last week and I got <laughs> this box of mochi. So I said, oh, oh, this, oh, mochi, yes. Yeah, so I was thinking of a different kind of mochi. No, this is delicious. Yes, can't wait to get this back to the the parking lot and just get stuck into <laughs> to this stuff. We've mentioned a few times that we have events coming up this summer. Are you ready to spill any deets about places we'll be serving beer? I mean, I think we can talk about the upcoming one, can't we? Yep. Can we not? I think we, we can. can. Yep. Uh, not this coming weekend, but the next weekend. Uh, what are the dates on that? 13th, 14th? 
something like that. 14th, Saturday 15th, and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday. Uh, we will be in Kunitachi for uh, a small beer festival, Kunitachi City event. Mm. Uh, we'll be there. Kunitachi Brewery will be there. A few other breweries will be there. I think five breweries, I heard, in total. And then some kind of local uh, food places, Kunitachi restaurants and things will be there as well. That's on the in a space on the north side of Kunitachi Station, I believe. Just on the north side of the station, it's the 15th and 16th, Saturday and Sunday. Mm. So the, the weekend after this episode is being recorded. Not this weekend, but next weekend. That's right, yeah. Looking forward to that one. It should be pretty fun. Do we have anything else coming up that people ought to know about? We've got uh, a couple of new beers that we drank on the podcast that we haven't managed to put on tap yet, but I expect we'll go up on tap at some point this weekend. I don't want to pin a date to those, but um, we've got Midnight Surfer, which is the collaboration that we did with Chellis for their first anniversary. And we brewed a fresh batch of Mount Crushmore, which was a very popular uh, mountain IPA, half hazy, half bitter, that we did uh, with our friends at Tikal Mountain House, another collaboration. So those will go up on tap when some other things finish. And to that end, I guess I should mention that uh, we're on the last keg of Hop Executor, and we are on the second to last keg, almost onto the last keg, of uh, Tama Mono Ale Centennial. Oh, no. Both of those, pretty popular beers. So once those are gone, we'll put up two new ones. But if you like those two beers, get in now. Excellent call to action to round out this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you again next time. Thanks for listening, everybody.